Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. We thank God today for His love. We thank Him for His Son. We thank Him for this building. We thank Him that we can remember today. We can remember that we are part of the United States of America and that there are those way before us that have fought for this country, that still to this day serve this country, honor this country. There are many of us who love this country with all that we have. This is one of those days to remember not only what we have done for this country, but what God has done for this country. Amen? Like I said, church, God is good. And all the time, regardless of what we see, regardless of what we feel, God is good. I'm here to tell you that. There are a lot of times we look into this world, there's a lot of what we see that we do not like, and there's a lot of it that we need to change, but that doesn't change the fact that God is still good. He is working and he is here today and he is here to speak to us. God is good all the time and all the time he is good. Do you know that we serve a God who's in control? He says he has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. I'm here to remind you, church, that when things don't look like they're going well, He works all things together for good for those who love him. I'm here to remind you, church, that he has a plan for you. A plan for you to prosper. A plan to not harm you. A plan for hope. A plan for future. Church, are you getting a hold of this? The God I serve says that he's going to make you a new creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Are you getting a feeling of this? Church, we serve a God. We serve a God who will make a way in the wilderness, who will make a river in the desert. We got one person excited. Look, if, if, if I need a way in the wilderness and a river in the, in the desert, I know who I'm calling on, the name of Jesus. Church, today is not just about our flag. It's not just about our country. It's about something far greater. It's about laying our life down for one another. It's about sacrificing ourselves for something bigger. And it's about remembering what God has done for us. It's about remembering what those who've done before us. It's about remembering that God has called you to a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. Amen. Church, I'm excited. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get you as excited as I am. I I tell you, I'm excited. As Chad said, if there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, if Jesus Christ came down, lived with us, talked with us, led us, guided us, protected us, served us, healed us, and then laid his life down for us, how much more excited could we get about remembering him? And then I ask you this. What else has he done for you? What has he done for you that's not in this book? 
What has he done for you that I don't know about? What has he done for you that I haven't read about? What has he done for you that's in your journal, that's in your devotion? What has he done for you that you haven't shared yet? What has he done for you that allowed you to be here this morning, this second, right now? Amen? We need to remember what God has done for us. I'm going to jog some memories this morning. I feel like we're asleep. I feel like we're tired. I don't know why. It's only Sunday. Look, I want to remind you today, I, I, I got to remind you today, that when there is troubles in your life, and I know some of you have some, you've spoken to me about them, when there is troubles, we serve a God of the Red Sea. We serve a God that when he sees the troubles, he splits them from the east to west and lets you walk through on dry land. I'm here to remind you, church, that we serve a God who when something in your life has been taken away, when something in your life has been killed, when something in your life is not manifesting into what you know it can be, we serve the God of Lazarus, the God who looks into your life and says, come forth. Mm. Church, I don't think you get it because we serve the God of always enough. He's here to remind you today. Remember, we serve the God of always enough. When you come to him with two loaves and five fish, when you come to him and say it's not enough to pay the bills, it's not enough to get through the week, it's not enough to get through this week, this church service, it's not enough to help my family, we serve the God of always enough. He can make 5,000 satisfied with whatever you have. Church, we serve a God who when you need protection, he tells the lions surrounding Daniel to fall asleep. What lions do you have roaring around in your life today? Perhaps you need God. No, no, no. See, you have God. Perhaps you need to be reminded that our God can make all of those lions fall asleep. Church, again, let's go back even farther. Let's go back to Moses. He wandered the wilderness. He wandered the wilderness, escaped out of Egypt, escaped out of slavery only to go into misery. And they asked him, why would you do this, Moses? They walked around, and you know what they needed? Everything. They needed food. They needed clothing. They needed protection. They needed everything. It was in the wilderness that our Jehovah came down to Moses and said, I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. It's the same God who when those people were walking through the wilderness and they stubbed their feet or they got sick with the flu or pneumonia or they fell ill with cancer or they fell ill with a disease, he said, I am Jehovah Rapha, your healer. This is the God we serve. The same God we serve. When, when, when the Amalekites came to kill the, the people of Israel, when they came to tear them down, when they came to kill them and leave no woman or child, when they came with their 5,000 to, to, to destroy them, we had no weapons, we had no army, we had nothing. He said to Moses, lift your hands and I will be Jehovah Nisi, your victory. This is the God we serve. It's the same God when the enemy was all around, when much later, when the enemy was all around, they were called the Midianites at that point, and they came on against the, the Jewish people. They came on against the Israelites. They came on against them, and they were defeating them. They took their food. They took their home. They took everything they had. They destroyed it. They left them to waste. They found a little old man. His name was Gideon. And in that, in that process, which was destined to be war, 
The people thought their lives would be surrounded by war their entire existence. It came this little weak, tired, scared man hiding away. And ultimately he said to him, build me an altar for I am Jehovah Shalom, the God your peace. He brought peace to that nation. And none of the warriors had to go and fight those Midianites. They took care of themselves, amen? Maybe some of you, maybe some of you will get a hold of this service. I don't know. I know I will. Look, I'll tell you, when I put this message together, of course, with the Lord's help, and I'm asking, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do today? And I had all these ideas, all these ideas of how I could preach Memorial Day service or not, just skip it and forget about it. There's some churches that do that too. But look, we're in an American state. We're in an American country. We have an American flag. We have lots of other flags too, by the way. We support every country of the world as much as we support our own. We send our missionaries out and preach to them probably more than we preach to you. But there must be a day where we remember what God has done. And when I put this together, I said, Lord, I don't know. I got so many things to say about, and I'm not passionate about any of them. All of them are true, but I can't get up there and get excited. And if I can't get excited, then, Lord, I'm not doing my part. And so this message is for me, church. So if if you don't need it, that's okay, because I do. I'll listen to the recording a hundred times if I have to. But I need this message. I need you to hear it because there are so many things the Lord has done in my life. I wouldn't be standing up here today if the Lord hadn't healed me, if he hadn't moved in me, if he hadn't saved my soul, church. And there is no way I'd be the pastor of Kingsway Christian Center. Five pastors before me, all of them almost twice my age. All of them, years and years of experience, years and years of tenure, of training. Who would think they would bring this little old guy who has no clue what he's doing to pastor all of you? Only God. How are we to remember all that God is doing in our life? What does God teach us to remember? A lot of us, look, we wear crosses, put crosses on our skin, put Bible verses on our skin, all great ways to remember who God is. But I tell you today, Scripture made it very clear, very early on, in every one of those instances of Jehovah Jireh, there was one of these built. It was an altar. Look just like this. We have one right here. Many of you remember how we built this altar. It looks a little different because we dressed it up a little bit. But inside this altar and around this altar, we made a lot of sacrifices. We made a lot of commitments to God. We remembered what he had done in our life and what he's going to do. Inside of it exists many of your needs and wants, many of the things that you need to stomp on and you need God to consecrate for you. It exists inside these altars. Joshua 4.7 says, These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. God asks us to build altars in our life to remember him, to remember what he's done for us. We have such an altar here at Kingsway. But I ask you today, what has God done for you? What do you remember that God has done for you? Like I said, that may not be in this Bible. That may be in some devotion or may only be in a prayer that you whisper to him. What has he done for you? What reminds you today that God is good? What reminds you that God is good? When you think on it, do you think of a Sunday service? Do you think of some scripture? Or do you think of what God has done for you in 2018? And church, if God hasn't done anything for you in 2018, to get to praying because he's in the business of doing something. 
Now, I recognize, because I pray with a lot of you, I recognize that some of you say, well, Sean, I haven't quite got to my miracle yet. I feel like I'm in the middle. I feel like I, I don't know really where I'm going. I feel like I'm still in the middle of what God is doing with me. I'm in the middle of my trial, middle of my tribulation. I'm in the middle of my spiritual walk. I'm in the middle of career choices. I'm in the middle of family choices. I'm in the middle of X, Y, and Z. Today, I want to talk about the middle. So Joshua 4.7, this guy's an awesome guy. There's a whole book about him. It's called Joshua. It's after the books of Moses. I love the book of Joshua. See, I come from Jewish descent, so I, I love to study Hebrew. I love to study the Old Testament. And Joshua is by far one of my favorite characters. Let me talk a little bit about Joshua. I want you to understand the story of Joshua. To understand Joshua, you need to understand Moses and the Jewish people. The Jewish people were enslaved by the Egyptians. And they were called to serve other gods and, and do the bidding of the Egyptians. Moses came to, with God's help to take the Jewish people out of Egypt. And he took them out of Egypt. God promised them the promised land. Moses was to take the people to the promised land. But there was something in between that, the Red Sea. Moses, you know, came to the Red Sea, split the Red Sea, crossed the Red Sea, went into the wilderness. Amen. All of his enemies followed behind were perished. God then, with a cloud and some manna, fed the Jewish people, clothed the Jewish people, protected the Jewish people, healed the Jewish people, gave the Jewish people victory when people came against them, and they were supposed to go into the promised land. Moses took 12 spies, sent them out. Ten of them came back, said, no, go, we ain't going. Two of them said, we can do this. That led to 40 years of them going round and round and round and round. Moses had the faith to get him out of Egypt. He had the strength. He had the courage. He had the obedience. Moses didn't get him into the promised land. Joshua, he was one of those spies. One of the two that came back said, we can do this. Many, many years later, Joshua. Now, he was half Moses' age when he came to the promised land. This time, he was getting in. Many of you need to realize the king's way of the future is not going to be king's way of the past. We've had some great and fantastic leaders of king's way of the past. You can write books about them. In my mind, some of them walk on water. They literally do. Probably you're in heaven right now with Enoch and walking around and flying all around and saying God is good. Some of them have passed. King's way of the future is in transition. And we've been in transition for a while. And I feel more akin to Joshua. I have to figure out how to get us into the next version of King's way. Into this transition. And so when Joshua came, he learned some lessons, church. You know, Joshua, he sat down before the Lord, and the Lord said, be strong and courageous. You can do this. And then he went in, up to the promised land. He, he didn't take the 10 spies this time or the 12 spies. He took two. And you learned, you learned last week why he did that. He needed to create an inner circle. He needed to create some spiritual partners. He took his spiritual partner and said, go over to the land and go, go check it out. See what it's all about. They came back and said, we can take this land. They had one problem. They had to get all of their people across a new river, the Jordan River. Now, we know how that story went. We know how it went with Moses. How was it going to go with Joshua? What happened differently? What took place in this story? 
It's an awesome, awesome story. You see, the long and short of it is they did get to the other side. They got to the other side of the Jordan. And then they came upon Jericho. And you know what they did? They marched. And they sang. And they worshiped God. The walls of Jericho fell. And the Israelite people took the land. God gave it to them. And that's the story of Joshua. It's an awesome story. What I want to do today is I want to go back and I want to look at some of them verses because I think today that there's something really significant that's happening in my life and that's happening in these scriptures all the way back when Joshua was around. So if you would turn with me to Joshua 3, you can look if you want. It'll be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read some of these verses and I'm going to preach a little bit. And then after service, we're going to have communion. So I hope that you stick around because we need to not forsake the blood and the body. Amen? Amen. Joshua 3, verse 3, it says, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of your Lord and those carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Here's what you need to know about the Ark of the Covenant. It's very simple. The Ark of the Covenant was a, a box, effectively, that was built, and in it was the Ten Commandments, but in it God decided to house his presence before the temple. God's presence was in the Ark of the Covenant. So when you think of the Ark of the Covenant, you think God's presence. That's where it is, in the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence. So when God's presence came, you are to, no one can read it, I'm sorry, it's in yellow, okay. You are to, you are to, when God's presence calls, you are to move out. You are to move out of your what? Position. You are to move out of your position. Today, God is calling you to move out of your position. Some of you may not have any idea what I'm talking about. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because that's why you are here. Because your life up to this point, maybe your year, maybe your week, maybe your month, it's been going round and round. It's been going round and round. It's been going round and round. You don't make sense of it. There's no purpose to it. There's no end to it. And you wonder, why is my life going round and round? Why can't I find a church where I can honor God? Why can't I have a prayer where God would answer me? Why can't my children live for the Lord? Why can't my job be God honoring? I'm just going round and round. Because I'm telling you, church, you need to pay attention to the presence of God. And when you see it, when you experience it, when you feel it, it's time to move From your positions and follow it. Here's the only thing I have to say about positions. I wanted to skip this. and The time is running short, but I need to tell you. There are two types of positions. There's your position. And that's what this is talking about. Move out of your position. Whatever position you gave yourself. Whatever position you earned on your own. Whatever position you can do with your own strength, will, and power. Move out of that one. Because the other position is called God's position. And no matter what you're capable of, or no matter what you're not capable of, God's position is better for you than your position. Some of you will hold on to that. Some of you will forget it. But next verse here, it says, Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. What's, what's that? You see, again, some of you know exactly who I'm talking to. I'm talking to myself here, but there's others who feel the same way I do. Finally, Lord, I'll know which way to go. Wait a minute, it's that easy. All I have to do is follow your presence. Look, church, I'll tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you, so let me not mince words. If God's presence fails to bless this church, if God fails to honor this church, if God fails to do miracles in this church, I will cease to be a part of it. It's that simple. Now, I know there's only 100 of us here or so. On a good day, it's 180 of us, and I get all excited. I don't care if there's 180 or 780, which maxes this church out. I don't care how many people are here. I only care if God's presence is in this building. 
Right here on this altar, I have seen people healed of cancer. I have seen them healed of surgeries they were to have the next day. I have seen them healed of migraine headaches. I have seen their eyes be opened. I have seen their arms that did not work raised to their heads. God is still moving, amen? Some of you need to know which way to go. This is how you felt when you became a Christian. You didn't know which way to go. You didn't know what to do. You just said, I accept you, Jesus. Now what? He said, follow my presence. Some of you today, some of you today are new to Kingsway. Maybe it's your first time. Welcome if it is. I see some new people. Maybe it's your first year. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your first month. I don't know. And you're new to Kingsway. And you're trying to figure out what's going on. I ask you to follow his presence. Because that's which way to go. Some of you, like me, are in transition. Like Joshua, in transition. There's just so much transition going on. And you ask God, what do I do? He says to me, he says to you, move out of your position into mine. And you'll know which way to go. Because you've never been this way before. I'm telling you, all of you have a ministry in Christ. All of you should, should express your ministry in Christ in some way, shape, or form. Some of you will use your talents in ways you've never used them before. And some of you will experience ministry the way you've never done before. But God will show you which way to go. I need to keep moving here. The next part of this verse says, but keep a distance. Say distance. About a half mile between you and the ark. Do not go near it. This one freaked me out. I almost fell into tears. And I said, Lord, I've been telling my church for the whole time I've been there to get close to you, to get all up and snuggle with you, to get in your presence. And now you tell me, keep a distance. This scripture, shoo, I got a lot to learn. And then it dawned on me real quick. First, what dawned on me is God the Father, before grace, before mercy, under the law, God the Father often kept a distance. And it wasn't until Jesus Christ came and said, suffer not the little children on me. Let me hug them. Let me kiss them. Let me embrace them. Let me touch on you. Let me hug on you. Let me help you. Let me raise you up. Let me hold you by the hand. Let me put my hand on your eyes. Let me put my hand on your ears. Let me love on you with my touch. That was Jesus Christ. He said, get close to me and I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will stick it closer than a brother. God, the Father in his presence is a whole nother thing. There are moments when we feel his presence in church here and we just melt. There are times when we feel his presence, people fall down. There are times when he feels his presence, we can barely contain ourselves. You see, he knew that they had to cross over the Jordan. We couldn't have people falling out in the middle of the Jordan. They needed a job to do. They had to walk. But also it occurred to me when I read this scripture and I was praying, he said, that's what you need to tell the church, but here's what you need to tell yourself. I'm going to tell you what he told me. Maybe it's for you, but I know it's for me. Not every time, not all the time, not even as a pastor of a church. Will you feel God's presence? Not all the time will you see God's presence. You know it's in front. You know it's up there. It's about a half a mile away. I know what direction to go. I just need to keep going. I need to keep heading. I'm not exactly comfortable with where I am right now. I feel the trial, and there's distance in this trial, but I know where he's at, and I'm going to keep heading towards him because that's which way to go. Maybe all of you feel close to God all the time, but if you don't know that when God keeps a distance, there is a reason, there is a purpose. And we should not get comfortable all the time with having to be in his presence, that there are moments in this human skin, in this sinful world, where we won't feel his presence. And that, that church requires faith. That requires faith. 
hope of that which is not seen. Faith, when God is a half a mile away. Faith, when we're surrounding the mountain and don't know how to get over it. Faith, when we see the Red Sea and we have enemies at our back. Faith, when we see the Jordan and God says, go ahead. Faith, when the Midianites are going to take me down and I have no weapons. That requires a big kind of faith. Do any of you have that faith? Because I know there's a whole bunch that do. Amen. That's not even the point of my sermon. That was just getting started. I know I'm almost at the end. But I need you to hold on here because I need you to see the main point of my sermon. Here it is, right here. Look what happened when they stepped into the Jordan. Look what happened. They got halfway through. It says, those who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle, say in the middle, of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. They stopped in the middle and stood on dry ground. Man, I, I really wanted to preach so much more about this. They stopped in the middle, church. There are so many of us who understand that God is the Alpha and the Omega. They understand that we give our heart to Christ at the beginning, and then we see God in the end. And they sometimes think that that's all there is to life. I must just give my heart to God here on earth, and then in the end, see God. The Bible says that he is the author and finisher of our faith. What does that mean? It means he's wrote the book on you. It means he's got stories in between, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. And the middle is some of the best part, church. God is in the middle of your life. God is in the middle of your trials. God was in the middle. He was in the Ark of the Covenant. He was in the middle of the Jordan. He is working in the middle. He is working here on earth. Get excited about what he's doing here on earth. He told us to pray exactly that. He said, thine will be done in heaven. No, 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 no. He said, thine will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Get excited about what he's going to do here on earth, just like what he's going to do in heaven. There's something about being in the middle. I'm in the middle right now. I'm in the middle of a whole bunch of everything. Seriously. I mean, forget church for a second. At my work, there's a complete reorg. No one knows what their job is. I'm in the middle of that. Uh, I'm in the middle of, let's see, uh, trying to find a home, trying to sell a home, trying to move my stuff. Half my stuff's in storage. My clothes, I don't know where they are. I found my red, white, and blue, though. Listen to this, and, and I thought about this this morning as I was driving to church. I have four kids. I'm in the middle of finding an elementary school, of finding a middle school, of finding a high school, and finding a college. i got to find all four. Church, I'm in the middle of a lot. So I said, Lord, what are you trying to tell me about the middle? And then it came to me. It came to me so crystal clear. The last couple of sermons that we've been preaching, the last couple of things that we've been teaching, I want you to hear about it. At the funeral, we talked about the storm. We talked about them going to the other side. They didn't make it to the other side. Right in the middle is when the miracle happened. In the middle of the storm, God said, peace be still. Some of you today need to hear peace be still in your life. Right in the middle of it, God is working. Later on, we heard about Jairus and the religious leader, and he was going to ask Jesus to heal his daughter who was dying. In the middle of her dying voyage, he's going to heal her. In the middle of that, he comes across the woman with the issue of blood. And what happens? In the middle of his journey, he heals this woman, says, daughter, rise up. Your faith has made you whole. Church, some of you today, some of you ladies need to hear today, your faith has made you whole. Rise up and do what God has called you to do. Don't worry about the past. You know you're in the middle and God is with you right there in the middle.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was the other one? Uh, before I forget, uh, there was for the men, right? There was this situation where, let's see, they were in the middle of a war, and yeah, they were losing really badly. The Midianites were killing the Jewish people. And there's this little old man hanging out in the, in the bottom of a, a wine press, and, and he's trying to escape all the, the war and the, and the enemy. And right there in that time, God says, Awaken! You mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you right in the middle of the battle, right in the middle of his worst situation. The Lord is with you, calling you a mighty man of valor. We need some mighty men of valor to stand up and wake up in this church. Amen? I think so. Right in the middle. Right in the middle. Right in the middle. This is why I wanted to preach this sermon. Because it wasn't in Joshua chapter 3. It happened in Joshua chapter 4. They made it over to the other side. All was well. All was good. God had done what he said he would do. And then I want you to read this. It's Joshua 4, verse 5. Go back into the middle of the Jordan, in the front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. We will use these stones to build a memorial. Go into the middle of the Jordan. Say in the middle. We all have a role in the middle. If you are in the middle of something right now, you have a role. God is in the middle. He can work in the middle. He was in the middle of the Jordan. And when they all left and they got out to the other side, they got exactly what they wanted. God said, go back to the middle. Go back to where you just came from. Because here it's so important. I need you to pick up a stone. I need you to pick up a stone. Because when you're in the middle of something, and some of you have been there round and round a long time, you will learn what God wants you to learn. And if you forget that lesson, he will send you back to the middle. And to ensure that you won't forget that lesson, he's telling you, he's asking you, he's begging you to go back to the middle and take a stone and build yourself an altar and remind yourself that your God is good. They actually said in, later on, you're going to build this altar with 12 stones up on the, side of the, on the side of the Jordan and your sons and daughters will ask, what is this for? And in short, he said, this altar is for to remind your children, to remind the generations that God is good. All the time and all the time, God is good. I'm in the middle of a lot, church. And you know what? Kingsway is in the middle. We're in the middle of a miracle church we are in the middle of so much this church for almost a hundred years has been flourishing the last 20 have been a real struggle the last 10 have been extremely difficult within the last five they've talked about shutting the doors down in that time the roof caved in it started leaking half the rooms in this church are ruined the air conditioner who has never been replaced had started failing we couldn't heat or cool the place hundreds, yeah, I said that, hundreds of thousands of dollars. How are we going to come up with that, a small church like this? For those of you who missed the business meeting, you missed what God is doing. If you want to hear about what God is doing, I ask you to email me. 
connect at kingswaycc.org. Email me. I'll send you the business meeting. I'll send you the, the audio. I'll send you the, the presentation. You can see what God is doing. But know this. We are in the middle of a miracle. Did God do it all at once? Did he do it all at once? He just put the roof on. Did he just drop it out of heaven and drop a new roof on our building? No, no, no. You see, God went to the middle and asked us to meet him there. And when we met him there, oh, church, when we met him there, well, if you weren't in the business meeting, you have no idea. Some told me the business meeting was better than church service. You got to hear this. Look, if you have to go, I, I implore you not to go right now. You got to hear this. So I told you about that crack on the wall and the veil. You the veil that we talked about for Pentecost, the veil that was split where God's presence was behind? We talked about that just last week. We're a Pentecostal church and we believe in the Holy Spirit and we believe in his presence being free for you and me. But in that, there's an ark. The ark of the covenant is where his presence was. And I went back and studied that. In the tabernacle, there was the veil. And in the middle of the veil was the ark of the covenant. In the middle of the room. Now, I guess you think that makes sense. You shouldn't put it anywhere else but the middle. But it, it caught me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. God's doing something in the middle. So I said, let's go back and study this ark. Let's go back and take a look at it. So I went. It's right here. You can look at yourself if you like. Exodus 25, around verse 20 to 25, there's a whole instructions about God building the ark. Now listen carefully. He said it's going to be 25 inches wide, 25 inches tall, and 47 inches long. God has a plan. I don't know what his plan is. I have no idea why he did that, but he had a plan. It must be built like that. And it must be made out of acacia wood. Why? Why must it be made out of wood? You see, acacia wood was all around. That's all they saw. That's all they had. They were in the wilderness. A tree is alive. The acacia wood represents something alive. It represents something here on earth that's alive. It represents humanity. You see, all they had was this wood. And so they put together this wood and they built this box exactly the way God described it so that it would represent who they are and what they're going through. And then God said, then God said, I want you to anoint the top of it. I want you to cover the top of it in gold. Why? Why would he say this? Well, I think he wanted to remind us he wanted to remind us that the heavenly sits on top of the earthly. He wanted to remind us that his divinity sits on top of our humanity. The gold on top of the wood. But that's not what caught my attention, church. You keep reading. And he says, build two cherubs, two angels on either side of the ark. Have them face each other. Allow their wings to spread across the cover of the ark. <laughs> now listen to this. Listen to this. Now, because you've listened to all of that, you'll understand what he meant back in Exodus to know why it was so important to put the ark in the middle of the Jordan, to tell them to go back and take the stones and come back and build an altar to remember me. Because I don't need you to turn to your Bible. I got this cool technology thing. I can put it right here on the screen. 
He says in Exodus 25, 22, build those cherubs. Build it out of echinacea wood, covered in gold. Put the cherubs on top. And I want to tell you, there, right there, in between the two cherubs, right there, in the middle, that's where I will meet you. Come talk with me there. Come listen to me there. I will meet you in the middle. It's not just the beginning. It's not just the end. It's in the middle, church. I need you to stand with me and get a little more excited. Mm. He is in the middle. 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 He is in our middle. Our Lord and our God put himself in the middle of all the sin of this world. It's why we have three crosses as our logo. We believe in his death and we believe in the importance of his blood. And he hung himself in the middle. The church, who else do you know? Who else do you know? that was capable of taking his own humanity and wrapping it in divinity. Who was walking around living and breathing, but yet was covered in the glory of God's gold? Who do we know that was a modern day representation of that Ark of the Covenant? None other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the very emblem of that Ark, walked around with God's presence here on earth to look and feel and touch with each one of us so that we may be so close to his presence. Remember this day what he has done. God will meet you in the middle. God will meet you. Mm. You know what he said? It's simple. How many of you, how many of you have felt God's presence in the middle of your trials and tribulations? How many of you have experienced God when you've had issues? How many of you can confirm that God will meet you in the middle? Because if you need more confirmation, listen to that business meeting. We're in the middle of a mess with this building. But there God is, doing great and mighty miracles. Not by power, not by might, but by His Spirit, says the Lord. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.